Hi, guys. Well, when the pastor calls in sick, you just kind of pull out whatever you got on hand and, you know, 7 a.m. Um, actually, he told me what message he wanted me to preach, so I didn't really have to try that hard. I just had to print it out, so it was pretty easy. Um, you guys, let me just pray really quick before we get going, because I'm not very good at preaching without prayer, so... Jesus, I just thank you that you're with us today. I pray that whatever you want to say, that you would just say it, that you would just speak through me today. God, I pray that you would just open our hearts to receive what you have for us. I pray that you would open our ears, God, that we would hear clearly what your spirit wants to speak to us, God. And I pray that you would just um, open our eyes to see who you are, God, that as we're just in your presence this morning, that we would just enlarge our ability to understand um, how good you are, God, and how full of grace you are and how you always come through for us. And I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, well, I'm just going to um, read you a little story real quick uh, from the Bible, from my Bible reading plan. Are any of you guys following the Bible reading plan that they did earlier this year? I always ask my youth group this, and I, I'm trying to get them to do it, and there's always, like, one kid that's like, I kind of am, and I'm always like, woo, because <laughs> it's hard to make anybody read the Bible. I don't know why. The Bible's so interesting, but for some reason, people don't realize, I think, how interesting it is. I don't really know, but anyways, we're going to read it right now. So this is from Mark. This was in our Bible reading plan kind of towards the beginning of the year. Um, and I already preached this message at youth group. So those of you guys who heard it at youth group, this is going to be a rerun. But you know what? Reruns are really cool because you always know what's coming up so you can get excited for the good part. Um, so here's what the story is. When Jesus had gone across the, by boat to the other side of the lake, a vast crowd gathered around him on shore. The leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell down before him, pleading with him to heal his little daughter. She is at the point of death, he said in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her and make her live. Jesus went with him, and the crowd thronged behind him. In the crowd was a woman who had been sick for 12 years with a hemorrhage. She had suffered much from many doctors through the years and had become poor from paying them and was no better, but in fact was worse. She had heard all about the wonderful miracles Jesus did, and that is why she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his clothes. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I'll be healed. And sure enough, as soon as she had touched him, the bleeding stopped, and she knew she was well. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, all this crowd pressing around you, and you ask, who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see who it was who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling and realizing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, healed of your disease. Now, I've read this little bit of scripture probably a million times. And there's this one little bit that I've missed every time I read it until this last time. And what I missed every time was the fact that this story is not about the woman with the issue of blood. See, the woman with the issue of blood is actually just kind of like a little distraction because what happened at the beginning of this story is that a guy named Jairus had a daughter who was dying and he needed Jesus to come and heal the daughter. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff happens. Um, so we're going to get into that in just a second, but I want to bring up to you uh, what is faith? What is faith? And so I looked it up in the dictionary. Um, 
And it, it, you could use faith or trust probably for this, but it's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So at youth group, we try to be like kind of entertaining. So we usually try to illustrate our uh, points that we're making. So if I can just get Nora to come up here, and if I could get Aaron up here, and if I could get Lance up here just for a second. And these are um, innocent, innocent helpers. They didn't know what I was planning today. Nora, if I could just have you stand right here, um, and then you're going to do a trust fall today. How much do you trust Aaron and Lance? <laughs> you trust them a lot or a little? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to have you fall this direction. So if I can get you guys just to catch her as she falls, do you feel like you feel very trusting this morning? <laughs> Not really. We might need just one more um, helper. Uh, who, who Do we have any other, maybe two more guy helpers that we could get up really quick? First one to the stage wins. On your marks, get set, go. Two guy helpers. Who do we got today? Don't all jump at once, you guys. <laughs> all right, we got one. We got another one in the back. Hurry on up. Hurry quick. <laughs> all right, we're going to do a trust fall. This is, just, this is just youth group with adults right now, so we're going to do trust fall. All right, on your marks. Your hands can go wherever they want because it's not in your hands. It's in their hands. All right. On your marks. Get set. Go. Wow. You lived. You survived. All right. Good job, team. Good job, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so trust actually requires a little bit of confidence, a little bit of confidence. You wouldn't do something if you didn't have enough confidence that it might work out okay. And so trust in faith is confidence in someone or something. And so um, I, I was telling the kids, because we're getting ready to go on this conference. A lot of you guys are giving money for it, actually. By the way, we raised um, $5,500 for conference, so good job, everybody. I still have um, a little bit more to raise, but we are going to keep doing some fundraisers. But um, we have a lot of kids that would not have been able to go if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you, everyone. Um, last year at conference, we had a guy that was telling a story of um, how the year before he had tried to crowd surf because there's like 1,500 kids. They're all like crowded, pressed in around the stage. And so he had actually tried to jump into the crowd and crowd surf on them, which is what we do sometimes during worship at conference. And so anyways, he, he didn't have great judgment, though. It probably should have picked a different group of people to jump onto. I think there was like a group of like timid girls over here, and all he sees is just faces. He's not thinking like, don't jump in the group of timid girls. And so what he does is he kind of launches himself out and all the girls are like, oh. And so they kind of like move out of the way and he actually lands on the ground. And I think he said he broke his leg um, during the uh, crowd surfing experience. So I do recommend that if you're going to trust somebody, you trust the right people. I think that helps a lot in getting the end result that we're looking for. Um, so we're going to read Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Amen. So Jairus, he, the Bible says he was a synagogue leader, so he was actually a pastor. He's like the local pastor in town. And it's kind of crazy to me because as I'm reading it, I know that Jairus would have heard stories about Jesus. I know that Jairus would have been hearing uh, the rumors that were going around town. And yet here he's got this sick daughter and she's um, reached the point of death. That's what the Bible says. It says that she had reached 
the point of death. So hospice has been called, and they're doing their job, and everybody's getting ready, getting out their black outfits because they know what's coming next. And Jairus has waited and waited and called the doctors and done everything he could physically do in his own power. And then one day he finally comes to the breaking point because his daughter is about to die. And at that point he decides now would be a good time to go to Jesus. And what I wonder is why sometimes we wait until the very last moment after we've used up all of our own energy and all of our own strength. And then we say, oh, maybe now that it's almost too late, I should think about going to Jesus. And so I want to challenge us this morning. How many things in your life right now? now would be going so much better if you were not the one solving your own problems, if you weren't taking it to your best friend or to the internet, but if you actually were taking it to Jesus before you reach the point of death, which is where Jairus' daughter was. So the Bible says that he goes and he finds Jesus, and his daughter's only 12 years old. She's got a whole life ahead of her, and she's about to lose that life if something doesn't happen. So the Bible says he goes and he finds Jesus. He explains the situation. I have a daughter who's dying. Would you come? Would you, would you touch her, heal her? And Jesus agrees to go. Jesus is always willing. And so he, he gets in line behind. And the Bible says that the crowds were so big that they were like thronging everywhere. And we know Jairus would have been in the lead showing everyone how to get to his house. And along the way, Jairus is walking and, and, and going. And he's excited. They're getting closer. It's about to happen. And all of a sudden, he noticed is the crowd is kind of stopped like over here out behind him and he turns around and there's all this commotion and all this stuff happening that has nothing to do with his daughter getting healed and some woman with an issue of blood and she's got some problems and Jesus is now distracted right in the middle of him trying to get a miracle from Jesus Jesus has now gotten distracted and I wonder if any of us have ever felt like Jesus was distracted right in the middle of our problem because I think sometimes when we don't get the answer that we want or when Jesus isn't there at the exact moment or we don't feel like things are shaping up the way that we imagined that the way they were when we set off in a certain direction sometimes we feel like Jesus is getting a little bit distracted and so Jairus is watching and he's seeing this whole thing happen and okay, well, Jesus got figured out, you know, it's not going to be that bad, you know, she, he's going to heal the lady and then he'll continue on. But something happens while he's standing there watching what's happening with Jesus, somebody taps the back of his shoulder and it's his servant from his house. And the servant says, um, Jairus, your daughter has already died. It's too late. And Jairus literally, the Bible doesn't even say that he responds to his servant. And so I'm just imagining Jairus is just hearing the news. And I imagine that he's, he's calculating how much time it would have taken Jesus to have gotten to the house. And I imagine he's thinking, if Jesus hadn't have gotten distracted, then maybe he would have made it there in time. And maybe his daughter wouldn't have died. And so I'm reading this thinking, how many times do we get in the middle of our situation that's going on, and all of a sudden we think, you know what? Jesus didn't come through for me, and, and if he hadn't got distracted over here, then maybe it would have worked out. But the problem is, it's really easy when we're stuck in that moment to not realize that there's an end of the story that we just aren't aware of yet. We haven't got to the end of the story. It may feel like the end when we get the news that somebody's dead or something didn't work, but Jesus has a way of redeeming even the end of the story. And so, so Jairus is standing there, 
And the Bible says that, um, that, that Jesus turns back to them and, and that the, the servant says to Jesus, um, don't bother to come. It's too late. Uh, there's nothing you can do now. And the Bible says that Jesus doesn't even answer the servant. Jesus doesn't even respond to the servant. He looks straight at Jairus and he says to him, um, pay no attention to him. And so sometimes you have to actually tune out the wrong voices that are saying, it's too late. Uh, don't bother asking Jesus now. It's, oh, she's already dead. Uh, you've already reached the end of your story. And there's a lot of people like that in our lives. There's a lot of people in our lives that are just ready to hand us doubt. You know what? You better just prepare for the funeral. You better just take the next step. So what's the most practical thing you can do now? And there's lots of people that are willing to throw doubt at you. And so if you're smart, you've got to do what Jesus said and said, you know, what? Pay no attention to them. Just trust me. And that's the words that Jesus said to Jairus. He says, just trust me. Don't pay attention to that guy that's telling you it's too late. Just trust me. And so what Jairus does is he actually continues the journey that he started out in the beginning. He actually continues leading Jesus to the house of his now dead daughter, where obviously there's nothing really to hope for at this point, except that Jesus has said, just trust me. And so they get to the house and the Bible says that there's just chaos. It says that there's like uncontrollable weeping and wailing. And Jesus addresses the crowd in a very unusual way. He doesn't start giving hugs and condolences and flowers. He says, what are you guys all hysterical about? What are you guys crying about? This is, this is a little bit much. And the Bible says that the, the, the crowd was bitter towards him. They didn't like his response to their grieving. They were like, how... How could you be so insensitive, Jesus? Can't you see that there's a problem here? Can't you see that we're grieving over the loss of somebody? But the problem is, Jesus doesn't weigh out reality the way that we do. When it's over for us, it's not over for Jesus. Some of you guys are, are going through stuff and you're just, you're just in this wailing kind of like mourning mentality when Jesus is like, what is going on? Like, I have the solution for you right now. And here you are stuck in this party and this mourning and this wailing and you, the, I've got the answer right here. I have it. And so Jesus is addressing the crowd. They've totally missed what he's trying to do. But you know what? It's easy, it's easy to have faith when you know the end of the story. It's hard to have faith when you don't, you know? It's easy to have faith when you know that you're getting a check in the mail on payday. You can have faith that that's coming. But it's hard to have faith if you don't know. It's easy to have faith if you know that, you know, your medicine is going to work and it's going to produce a result. But it's hard to have faith when doctors don't know what's going on and they don't really know why you're having an issue and they don't really know what the answer is or how to prescribe it. There's a a lot of things where when you know the end of the story, it's really easy to have trust. But who's your trust really in? Is your trust really in your boss? Is your trust really in your doctor? Or is your trust in Jesus who can actually redeem even somebody who has died? And so Jesus goes in and he, uh, he, he reaches into the, the room. He, he just takes a couple of people with him. He grabs the daughter's hand and he pulls her up. He says, little girl, get up. And the Bible says her eyes opened immediately and she jumps up and she starts walking around and her parents couldn't believe it. And I was thinking to myself, how much faith does it take to raise somebody from the dead? And I don't really think it takes that much because her parents couldn't believe it. And so they didn't really have to believe that she was going to raise from the dead. All, all Jairus had to do was believe that if Jesus 
was in the house, something was going to happen. Because when Jesus said, just trust me, Jairus took him to his house. And yet, when the daughter got raised from the dead, Jairus couldn't believe it. And sometimes we don't have enough faith to raise somebody from the dead, but that's why we need Jesus in our house. You know, we need Jesus. The Bible says that we're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we would have Jesus on the inside of us, eventually he's going to get out. Eventually he's going to begin to spill out. And when we don't have enough faith, he's going to begin to stir that faith up so that we can see results that we don't even have enough faith to see. A lot of people think you have to have so much faith in order to see anything happen. And you just walk around thinking, you know, if I just had more faith, I'd probably see that. But you know what? I I don't think Jairus had that much faith, and yet his daughter got raised up from the dead. And I want to say this, because a lot of times we think like, oh, if Jesus gets distracted, or if Jesus doesn't come through for me, then, you know, it's too late. But I I just wonder how much better of a story Jairus now has to tell if Jesus would have gone and Jesus would have healed the sick daughter, I don't think a lot of people would have been super impressed that a sick girl got better. You know, like, oh, she was sick, she got better. Well, that was nice of Jesus to pray for her. Maybe that was why. Maybe she was getting better anyways. But how many of you think that it would be a better story to be able to tell somebody, you know what? My daughter actually died. The mourners were at my house. They were preparing for a funeral and Jesus came and raised her from the dead. And sometimes what we don't realize is that when Jesus isn't coming through for us, it's not because he's not going to come through. It's because he has a better plan than the one that we asked for. And the Bible says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask or hope or imagine. So sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers because we're praying too small. Sometimes our ask is so small. Jesus, just heal a little sick person. Well, maybe he wants to, but maybe he wants to raise somebody from the dead. I mean, our God is so big. And we ask these, pray these little tiny prayers. And the Bible says, if you would even ask, this is the scripture that I think about sometimes. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, ask and I would give the nations to you. And I wonder how many of us have a prayer time at home and we start asking for nations. I wonder if we even think in the same realm that Jesus is thinking. He's saying, if you would ask, I would actually give it to you. And I wonder if we're even asking for the cities that we live in. I wonder if we're even driving through praying, God, would you give me Santa Maria? Would you give me Napomo? God, would you bring people that are lost into your kingdom? What if we just ask some big things? What if we just ask that God could change the culture of our city? What if we just ask that God could end gang violence? What if we just ask that God could begin to reach the next generation, that our churches wouldn't be empty in 50 years because there would be young people they would be coming in. What if we just asked a little bit bigger of an ask? Mark 9, 23, Jesus had just been asked to heal somebody, and he, and it's funny, is a leper. He says, uh, Jesus, you know, I, I know if you want to heal me, if you can, like, that would be nice. This is kind of the, the way the guy asked. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. You know that Jesus actually gets offended when we don't have faith. You know, Jesus actually gets annoyed when we come to him and we say, oh, if you could please do that. He's like, excuse me, I created everything. Like, if I can, if I could, if, what is this? And so I think we just need to have a little bit more faith that it's not an if. Like, we got to take the if out of it. Of course, Jesus is on our side. Of course, Jesus wants to work in our behalf. Um, John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And so sometimes if it feels too late, it's probably because he's getting ready to do something bigger than what we asked. 
Um, I, I, I've been really challenged in this, and um, if you guys know my family, my family's a little bit crazy sometimes, not all the time. But I do have this one particularly crazy sister, and um, she, she, had, she has four little kids, and they're all girls, and she had this cat that died. And um, she did something real crazy. She decided that she wanted to teach her, her kids about raising the dead. And so she was like, we're just gonna hang, she's like, we're just gonna hang on to this dead cat for a day and we're just gonna pray over it and we're gonna see if it, it comes back to life. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be gross, but <laughs> all right then. And I just realized like, you know what? Why shouldn't we train our kids that God raises the dead? Why, why shouldn't we let them practice on their dead cat? Like, why shouldn't we teach them to have faith? Like, why should we have so much doubt that we never even bother asking a big ask? And you know what? That cat died, and it stayed dead, and it didn't rise from the dead, and they did bury it after at least a day. Um, but I just want to say to you, I don't think that when you get to heaven, you get points for your results. And the scriptures would actually back me up on this. I don't think you get points for the results of your prayers. I think you get points for how much faith you had to pray. I think you get results for how much you actually contended for and what you actually presented to God and what you actually asked for. I don't think God's looking for a result because who's the one that gives the results anyways? God gives us the results. We're in charge of asking. We're in charge of believing. We're in charge of having faith. And so I, be, I, I just know when, when my sister one day enters into heaven and that dead cat's there, she's, she's going to see it. But Jesus is going to say, good job. You had faith. Good job. You asked something impossible. And you actually believed that I could do something. And you actually wanted to train your kids to believe as well. And I think that we get points just for our faith. Um, there's this little girl that I, I've, I've had a lot of <laughs> uh, wrestling with God about because um, I was her nanny. And, you, got, you know, those of you guys who know me, I believe in healing and all these different kinds of things. I believe that God still does miracles, and I don't think he's this weak little God that can't do anything. And so, so when I started nannying this little girl, she had cerebral palsy, and so she's completely um, uh, paralyzed, uh, but her eyes work. Um, so do you have that picture up there? So I actually give her piano lessons um, and her sister, and she uses her eyes um, to write questions for me, and I explain things to her. But uh, So this is her using her computer. She operates it with her eyes to select things to ask questions. So uh, this was on uh, Wednesday night. She was asking me, how do you play a quarter of a beat? Because she asked me to explain to her how the music works, and so we were talking about it, and she's um, eight years old. And so, um, you know, I see her every single week, and I used to nanny her since the time she was four, um, before I taught her music, and I, I've prayed over her so many times. I could just tell you, I've prayed over her so many times, and usually when her parents aren't around, because I know her parents don't necessarily want to hear me praying for her, because maybe it's hard for them to think that God's not answering prayer over and over again, and so sometimes I just pray for her when it's just me and her, because I don't want to disappoint anybody, but you know what? I believe that even if God doesn't answer my prayer over and over and over and over again, like someday he will. I just believe someday he will. Like, I can't give up on that faith, and the other day, um, um, I actually had a dream about her, and I dreamed in my dream that somebody else, it wasn't me, um, actually I dreamed that Andrew prayed over her and that she got totally healed. I, I dreamed that she was able to talk and she was able to walk around, and that, that dream just spurred faith in me because I thought, you know what, it doesn't even have to be me. Like I don't have to be the one to pray over her, but I certainly want to be somebody that believes that it will happen, and I certainly want to be somebody that's going to keep asking even if I don't see the result, and I certainly don't want to be the person that gives up and says, you know what, it's 
it's too late. I've already prayed for four years, so I'm not praying anymore. Like, I want to keep praying for her and keep believing until she gets up out of her wheelchair and she can talk with her own mouth and she can run around and she can use her hands to play the piano and I won't have to play for her. And so I just think we have to keep believing and keep trying and keep going after it. Um, I, I, I just believe God rewards our faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please him without faith. Um, I have just a couple more little things, and then I'm going to pray. I usually try to preach, like, really short messages because I'm usually talking to teenagers. Oh, I found it. Okay. So here it is. Um, this is a quote from Corey Ten Boom. Um, I, some of you guys might know who Corey Ten Boom is. My kids had no idea, so I had to explain it. But anyways, she, um, she was in the... Um, the Holocaust, she like hit a bunch of Jews at her house and um, she actually got caught for hiding the Jews in her house and she got, and her whole family, they all got sent to a concentration camp um, and that, um, all of her family died there except for her. Um, and she, she, after the fact, she started going around um, and preaching and, and having these big crusades around and she would come to the US too, she's from Holland. So when me and my family went over um, to my brother's wedding in England, we stopped over in Holland to go and see her house. And we actually got to see the tiny little room where she had hid six Jews for like three days. And uh, we were there. We saw it. And it was like crazy to think about the faith that she had, that just a small little action on her part might save somebody's life. But you know what? It didn't work out for her because not only did the Jews that she hid that day get caught and killed, but her whole family got caught and killed for it. And so I thought, you know what? As much as she tried and she did her best. She didn't get the result she was looking for. Um, and so Corey Tinboom, though, she actually goes around or went around. This is back in the day. Um, she would go around and do these different talks. And she was speaking in L.A. And my dad um, went to it. And he was probably um, close to 20 or maybe a little bit younger at the time, maybe 18 or 19. And he heard her talk and he heard her give her, her testimony and tell about her life. And that was when he actually started following God. And I think if she hadn't have been telling her story and if she hadn't stuck with faith and if she would have given up because she didn't get the result that she was going after and her family died because of it maybe my dad wouldn't have got saved maybe I wouldn't be following Jesus and so you never know what your faith is going to do in somebody else's line and somebody else's story and this is a quote from her she said never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God and just one more thing before we close. This is, this is a favorite of mine. Um, this is from Helen Keller. Um, because some of us, I think, we get stuck on death a lot. We get stuck. We feel like, you know, that's the end. But um, this is what she said. She says, death is no more than passing from one room into another. But there's a difference for me, you know, because in that other room, I shall be able to see. And so I just want to encourage you guys, even when you don't get the answer and even when it feels like the end, it's never the end because eternity is perfection. Eternity is where everybody is feeling good all the time. Eternity is where the blind can see. So even when it does feel like the end here on earth, it's actually not the end even then. And so we just have to have enough faith to see from God's perspective. Like God comes through. It may not always look like what we want. Sometimes it's way bigger. Sometimes it's way better. You know, I think if Corey Tinboom hadn't have gone through all that she went through, who would have wanted to line up and go to her rallies? You know, who would have just gone to listen to some lady, you know, from some other country if she didn't have a story to tell about persevering? 
persevering and making it through some difficult things. And maybe all those people that began to go to her crusades wouldn't be following Jesus now if it hadn't been for her overcoming some of those really difficult things. So you never know. Jesus is always doing something bigger and better than what you're expecting, what you're asking, and what you're praying for. So don't shut him out the minute that it looks like he got distracted, because I bet he didn't get distracted. I bet he's setting you up for something better. And so we're just going to pray really quick. And then um, anybody that just needs um, some faith right now, like, or maybe you have, you need healing maybe, or maybe you have something you've been contending for for a long time. I'm just going to have you guys come up and our prayer team is going to pray over you guys. Um, So God, I just thank you. God, that we can trust you. I thank you that we can take all of our problems to you. I thank you that we can take all of our issues to you, God, that you're well able to uh, come in and to change the storyline, God, to change the direction that things are going. God, and I thank you that even when it looks like it's too late, even when it looks like you weren't there when we needed you, God, I thank you that reality does not dictate to us what you're doing, God, that our circumstances do not dictate to us the bigger picture, God, but that we can trust the unknown future to a known God and that we can trust that you're good at all times. And so God, I just pray that you'd help us to walk in that faith. I pray that you would just help us to overcome our own doubts and our own fears and our own unbelief. And I thank you for your faithfulness and I thank you for your goodness. In Jesus name. Amen.